think of a if you have one single spore on a petri plate or petri dish, it'll grow out radially in a circle, and that's what it does uh, in soil. Later on, I will talk about my first sponsor, Magic Mind. I am so excited about this chat. I am here with Mike, the fairy ring guru. <laughs> I uh, There's so many golf courses by me in Florida, and a lot of people actually come up to me at the farmer's market, and they're always like, you know those uh, mushrooms that are in the, in the fields? And I was like, yes, those are some fairy ring mushrooms, but I don't really know much about them. So I... I'm trying to bring on an expert on fairy ring mushrooms. So uh, give the listeners a little introduction of who you are and what you got, how you got even into funga. Okay. Well, well, thank you for, for having me here today. Uh, pleasure to be here. Um, I'm a professor of uh, plant and soil science at the Pennsylvania State University, but I'm located at a satellite campus in uh, Redding, Pennsylvania, southeastern Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I teach courses in plant biology and botany and the uh, plant and soil sciences. But my background, I actually grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up on a mushroom farm. My father was a mushroom farmer. The uh, the white button mushrooms, the agaricus mm-hmm. by sports. Uh, so I grew up as a mushroom farmer, uh, son of an Italian immigrant, and um, learned uh, an appreciation for, for mushrooms and mycology. And um, um, I, I studied agricultural science as an undergraduate with uh, the the idea to go back and take over the mushroom farm. Mm-hmm. But I, I got interested in research and plant pathology. My PhD is in plant pathology from the University of Maryland. And anyway, uh, uh, I became involved in academia. And I've been uh, researching fairy ring for a long time now. Uh, I, I'll blame my, my mushroom growing background plus my interest in just how these ferrying fungi grow and thrive on golf courses and uh, landscapes and pastures they're just fascinating mm-hmm. <laughs> to me and they're quite beautiful I, the the the, uh, the diversity of fungal species is it's amazing so so in a nutshell that's 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 how i got here wow. to study fairy ring cool and yeah, I don't know if I mean probably a lot of my listeners know that Pennsylvania is kind of like the mushroom uh state or the capital of the US. Why is that just because right. of the white button ones or is it right. good well, foraging? I, if you don't mind, I'll I'll give you a quick a quick little historical update on that. Yes, uh, if you don't mind, uh, I love talking about it. Um the uh in the early 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 1900s um uh, many of the uh, Italian immigrants came from the Abruzzo region of Italy. And um, over there, they would find porcini mushrooms growing mm. in the wild. But but anyway, they they found work over here, working in the greenhouses, and they started cultivating mushrooms with, with some um, the folks here in, in southeastern Pennsylvania. And again, for whatever reason, a, a lot of Italian immigrants settled here in the Philadelphia area and uh, started growing mushrooms with Then there were... Uh, the Quaker folks had many of the greenhouses. There was tremendous greenhouse cut rose production in this area. Hmm. Uh, long story short, they would hire the Italian immigrants to work the greenhouses. The Italian immigrants would grow the mushrooms in the greenhouses and the benches on the composted beds. So the industry started growing in the nineteen early 1900s, 1920s, and 30s. The Pennsylvania State University got involved with some mycologists and plant pathologists to, to figure out how to to uh, develop better varieties, let's call it. Um, 
And so anyhow, that's how the mushroom industry really started hmm. in Pennsylvania. I think 70% of the mushroom production in the United States comes from, from here in southeastern Pennsylvania. So that's the historically that's that's the reason why it happened. Cool. Here in right. Okay. Yeah, because I think there was just a mushroom festival there recently. Right. Uh, my okay. my aunt that started that actually uh, in the in the about 30 years ago. Wow. And it's it celebrates all things in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. It celebrates all things uh mushroom. Wow. <laughs> Love that. that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in there. So it's it's always the first weekend in September after Labor Day, so mm-hmm. If you ever up here this way, uh, it's a great time. Absolutely, because my birthday uh, was the nineteenth, so I was just in Minnesota visiting. Um, but right. yeah, no, that's on my bucket list for sure. Next year, make sure you're there. Yes. Let, let me know. Yes, let I'll write know. it down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, give the listeners what even is a fairy ring mushroom? Like, how are they different from other mushrooms? Right. Right. Well, fairy ring. It's um. What I like about fairy ring is a lot of folklore. <laughs> and, uh, about fairy ring, like especially the European history of of um, fairies dancing around the night before, and then the next day mushrooms pop up in a circle. Or um, I think in Austria and Germany they're called hex rings, where mm. uh, perhaps um, witches were boiling a cod cauldron, and the next day mushrooms pop up. Okay. So there's a lot of folklore uh, with fairy rings, but basically. They're basidiomycetes, the basidiomycete fungi, the mushroom-producing fungi, and they can produce toadstools or the puffball types, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and what makes them kind of unique is that they they grow out radially in a, in a circular fashion, and uh, the vegetative part of the fungus is colonizing the soil and the organic matter and breaking down. The, see, they're wood decaying fungi, and they're mm-hmm. they're living in harmony with the with the tree roots and and with the soil and under the right environmental conditions, they'll fruit, they'll produce their fruiting body or the mushroom. And they tend to do this in a circular fashion or a circle or an arc or a semicircle. Okay. And so there's over 60 species of, of, uh, of these basidiomycetes that produce these fairy ring, visual fairy ring symptoms. Wow. There's probably many more, but 60, at least 60 that we know of. Well. Uh, especially on on golf courses and uh, and, and pastures, hmm. and so yeah, that that's um. There's so many, as you know, so many mushroom species out there, <laughs> uh, but but these particular ones, these fairy ring ones, like to grow in circle or semicircle fashion. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, let me just say on golf courses. Yeah. What we tend to see is uh, three three types. Of fairy ring symptoms, we call them type one, type two, and type three. Okay. And there's a little history of, of this. It goes back to 1917, when two U.S. Department of Agriculture researchers spent the summer in eastern Colorado, uh, visiting pastures, basically a, a grass pasture land that was just inundated with fairy ring, mm-hmm. and they were trying to characterize these sites and learn more about the fungus and how it colonizes the soil and why certain sites produce mushrooms, why others didn't. Anyway, so this that gives us a historical background of how we started studying fairing. So on golf courses, there's three types of visual symptoms, type one, type two, type three. Type three are the mushrooms that pop up. 
We like okay. those and we see those colorful mushrooms or puff balls. Type two are the dark green rings. We may not see mushrooms, but we see this, the dark green arcs oh. or rings of lush, dense grass. It's green. It's lush. It's okay. almost like someone fertilized it, you know? Right. Okay. You might've seen those. And that's because the, the fungus is breaking down the organic matter, releasing nitrogen that the roots are taking up. Mm-hmm. Now that's type two symptoms. Type one symptom is the ones we want to avoid on golf courses. That's the dead necrotic rings. You see these, these sort of dead, dead rings or dead arcs or dead semicircles. Of, of okay. Grass. That's because the fungal mycelium, the vegetative part of the fairing, is colonizing the soil and it makes the root zone really hydrophobic, repels water. There's elevated levels of ammonium that builds up, which is toxic to roots. Mm. And golf courses don't like to see dead turf on their putty greens. <laughs> no, they don't. So, so that's the challenge with the fairy ring uh, on, on golf courses, especially okay. sand-based greens. You're in Florida. They love, fairing loves sandy soil. Okay. So you're in fairing heaven down there. <laughs> yes. Yes, Especially we are. Especially when it gets dry. You'll see after a rainfall event, mushrooms will pop up. And I love that. But when it gets really dry, uh, drought stress situation, that's when we send, tend to see these dead rings showing up on golf course putting greens. Oh, interesting. Then it's, then it's a oops. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, golfers don't like to putt on dead grass. <laughs> yeah, or mushrooms in the way. <laughs> right. Well, that's the truth. On, on golf courses and athletic fields and lawns, those mushrooms pop up. You can kind of mow them off or... Uh, and people always ask me, I don't know if you get this question, can you, can, are these fairing fungi edible? Every time. <laughs> and okay. I, the way I answer, you tell me if I'm wrong. You're, you're an expert as is some are edible and some are not. Some can, can make you really sick and some can be deadly, yes. but I, I just don't eat any of those. I like to go to the grocery store and get them there. <laughs> Just admire their beauty and yep. do not eat them. <laughs> yeah, it's you don't really know also what they're spraying on there. I mean, they right. could be on them. Also, uh, I would say that some of them are parasol mushrooms and some of them are false parasols. So it's like, do you right. want to throw up or be delicious? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, like not right. even that's, worth it. <laughs> that's a good way to. I know. It's, yeah, I I love it. I I love after a range you'll see these these mushrooms popping up in a circle like that. Mm-hmm. that to me, that's nature saying, "Hey, uh, we're here. We're 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 eco. We're uh, uh, these fairing fungi. They're ecosystem engineers. They're yes. they're trying to manipulate and their their root zone. They're trying to create an environment favorable for their for their coexistence with with especially with tree roots. Mm-hmm. So I love I, I love watching them and and. Again, on, on golf courses and athletic fields, you don't want to see dead turf. Dead, right. Dead, that's a challenge. Yeah. But other than that, they're 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 really good with recycling the soil and the nutrients, and and so it's it's uh again they're fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and we still don't know much about them. Wow. Studying this my whole career. <laughs> Explain why they actually grow in a circle. Is it because of the tree roots that they're with, or is it the nutrients, or? A good good question. That's just the, the nature of these these fungi. It starts out with one single spore, and mm-hmm. they grow out radially in a circular fashion. Uh, what's what's uh, similar to apical dominance of a tree when okay. you have a a leading tree tree branch and others are falling behind it. So mm-hmm. 
So that's basically why they grow out in a circle. Think of a if you have one single spore on a petri plate or petri dish, it'll grow out radially in a circle, and that's what it does uh, in soil. Now, to your point, it is looking for nutrients, and um, sometimes it's not a complete circle; it may be a half circle or semicircle, right. where the where the vegetative mycelium may have come into some roadblocks or lack of nutrients. So, so it has to skirt around it, so to speak, but, mm. but that's 10, that's typically why it grows up. It grows uh, in a circular fashion. It's not fairy dust or pixies. Or, or, <laughs> it's or, not fairies. Or, it's not fairies. No, it's not. But, uh, <laughs> but, oh. uh, but it's, it's just good old fashioned mycology. Yeah. Is there specific trees that it's uh, better suited for? No, well, which um, which you'll find certain basidiomycetes uh, prefer certain tree species, mm-hmm. oaks and maples and various evergreens and things, but um, t- typically not you know, on golf courses. Again, on fairways and greens, mm-hmm. um, what what the fairing fungi are going after is the organic matter. Gotcha. And um, specifically, also the if you think about the organic matter on golf courses and these grasses, these grasses contain lignin in the thatch layer. And that's what these fairing fungi are going after, lignin. Now, okay. on, on tree roots and tree branches, that's a um, higher concentration of lignin. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier to colonize various oak trees and maples and things like that. But on beech trees especially, they love beech trees. But on the golf courses, they're going after the lignin in the thatch and then the organic matter. Okay. okay. Again, these are wood decaying fungi, and they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. The three types that you were saying, is there a way to prevent going to one or the other? Or, oh, yeah. Right. Good point. Yeah. So, so again, the, think of those, those visual symptoms, type one, two, and three. What what happens on golf courses, what they'll do, well, let's take a step back. Sometimes you don't really see them on uh, in crop production fields because uh, what happens a lot of times, we're always, we're plowing up the soil, we're prepping the soil. We're planting like wheat and corn and soybeans, but on perennial pastures, um, hay crops and perennial pastures, grass grasslands, that's uh, heathlands. Then you'll tend to see these fairings uh, growing and developing because the soil is not disturbed. So that's what we have on golf courses. Golf courses are basically a perennial pasture. Mm-hmm. We don't plow up the golf course every year and plant new grass. So these fairing fungi grow and thrive, and the one way to prevent it on golf courses and athletic fields and home lawns is um, maintaining a uniform and adequate soil moisture. Okay. Um, this is done on golf courses with irrigation and using soil surfactants and managing the, the, the irrigation water in such a way to prevent the, the root zones from drying out. A lot okay. of times what will happen is we get these sort of wet, dry cycles. It'll rain and then we have these dry periods, and it'll rain again, and we get this drought stress. Mm-hmm. And that triggers the visual fairing symptoms to show up type one, two, and three. So that's one of the, the major um, preventative methods is maintaining adequate uh, soil moisture in the root zone. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, there's some old, like, um, old, old school ways, like you hear some of the, the old time golf course superintendents talking about. When fairing would show up, they would get a shovel and literally dig them out and re re, re uh, dig out the soil, remove the soil, put new soil in, uh, and then sod it and resod. 
I mean, well, that's a lot of work. That's a know? lot of work. Right, right. Um, and there was some old old anecdotes where you can take a fairing and dig it out and flip it so it grows back into itself, and it would sort of self antagonize itself. If I'm using wow. those words correctly, but that's not that's kind of like a folklore thing. That yeah, really, and a lot of work. To your point, preventatively is just um, you know, managing soil moisture because mm-hmm. the fairing fungi there. We could take soil samples in every golf course. And you'll find evidence of these basidiomycetes living in harmony, breaking down organic matter, doing what they're supposed to do. But under drought stress, environmental stress conditions, that's when these things show up right. visually. One type, two type, three. So right. yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. I get that question a lot. What can I do to prevent right. them? Right. Um, and so, uh, I, yeah, I, it's it's uh, another thing. Real quick, I can never predict where they're going to occur. Mm. That's a fun challenge. Lawns. Right. And it's just, I can never predict. Uh, I've been on golf courses where they said every year for three years, we see fairing showing up on this fairway. And then I get there and it's not there that year. Like uh, what happens? So it's, uh, we don't know. They're, they're ubiquitous. Right. They're very elusive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was, um, I was walking through Lowe's the other day and there's like a, yeah, you know, they can sell a product for anything. So there was something like, get rid of your fairy rings with like this right. pesticide or herbicide or whatever uh, they were trying to sell. But I was like, I I don't know. I feel like we already spray enough things. Um, so, yeah, right. just well, making sure the moisture level is uh, good. Oh, yeah, that, that's key. Um, and, um, and also the nutrition part, too, like on golf courses and, and lawns and athletic fields. Um, a lot of times uh, they're, they're really lean with their nutri- nutrients and, and nutrition and nitrogen, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. This will make those dark green rings show up a lot lot more um, distinct mm-hmm. in a way. So what some folks will do, if these dark green rings show up, they may apply some nitrogen or some iron okay. to sort of mask the symptoms. And that works. That It gets all the grass stands sort of to blend together <laughs> and be the same color of green. And that's okay. Go. To your point, though, golf courses will use fungicides. Mm-hmm. They use them very judiciously and very cautiously um, if they have to in a rescue kind of uh, treatment. Okay. But that's not always very, very effective. But um, that is an option, and it's a last resort, really, okay. to be honest with you, uh, because it's very difficult to uh, to control these fungi. <laughs> yeah, you don't really, like you said, you can't really predict where it's going to happen, so you're just right. kind of spraying willy-nilly. Right, right. So many people, it's kind of like dandelions. Whenever you mow them over, they just spread them. So would you say that if you're just mowing them over, then it's going to spread? Or would you like pluck them individually? Oh, that's a good, (laughs) I get that question. I don't think you're spreading. So so one one mushroom popping up could produce, you know, millions of spores. Right. So spreading a few spores is not going to add anything. It's like (laughs) adding a drop of water into the ocean. If you're going to mow the mushrooms off your lawn or whatever, don't worry about spreading the spores. They're already in the soil. (laughs) (laughs) It's already doomed. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Uh, uh, Have you researched any like medicinal benefits um, within fairy ring species at all, or is that something that's not really been studied yet? Well, I, I have not, but there's there's been um, many papers and studies on on uh, fairing fungi and also mm-hmm. other other fungi for the medicinal right. 
medicinal uses. I know there's um recently I read about the lion's mane mushroom that's oh yeah um, has um, medicinal benefits for um for mental health and mm-hmm. and uh, for brain power. Let's call it. Um, but um, and there's there's other uh, that that's a whole another area, fascinating area mm-hmm. to me. The, sort of the, the human health benefits of, of these mushrooms. I know the the white button agaricus has high levels of vitamin D and some other other things. Mm-hmm. Selenium is one, but but the, the fairing mushrooms, no, they have not been studied for medicinal purposes that I'm aware of. That could be my next line of, of research. I'd yes. Cool. And do you know any specific species of these fairing mushrooms? You're saying there's 60 or what were you saying? How many? Yeah, the, the research evidence shows there's about 60 species documented. Okay. Cause fairing symptoms in uh, in turf grasses and amenity turf grasses. Mm-hmm. Some of the more common ones, the most common one is the Merasmus genus. That's also often listed as the fairing mushroom. Okay. Uh, Merasmus is one we see often. There's different agaricus, agaricus campestris, uh, agaricus brunescens. These are mm-hmm. ones that are common. Um, there's uh, uh, the one, the puffball types. There, I love the puffball types. Oh my gosh, uh, yes. Yeah, the giant puffball, the uh, Lycoperdon bovista. These are the more common ones we find uh, on golf courses. So there's probably about six to 10 most common that we okay. find. But then there's some really interesting ones, the Caprinus, the shaggy mane. Yes. That We see that a lot too. And that one we see on golf courses and lawns where where there was there was trees before like sometimes someone cuts down a tree mm-hmm. and remove the they remove the the stump now there's a tremendous amount of tree roots and wood material underneath the surface there and then they'll add some soil and plant some grass seed and and a nice lawn grows but underneath there there's a lot of wood being mm-hmm. broken down and decaying and a lot of times we'll see the caprinus showing up for that oh cool so it gives us an indication of oh, okay there was there was some wood material. There, there was a tree here before. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. So there, so that's that's a, some of the more common species we get. Hygrosity yeah. is one, and there's some others. There's some others as well. But but uh, no, it's 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 a fascinating area of study. And and on Twitter we have something called hashtag Frisky Fairy Ring Friday that we started. My colleagues and I, Dr. Derek Settle and Dr. Henry Wetzel, we started this years ago. Every Friday we post fairy ring pictures. Oh Hashtag yes, Frisky Fairy Ring Friday. This Friday. has gotten global attention um, <laughs> all over the world. Folks in the golf course industry post pictures of fairy rings. So, so uh, take a look on a Friday and you'll find pictures yes. all over the world. It's been Added. great to share to share these pictures and and um, uh, oh, oh, once in a while we'll get the 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 fly Garrick, the Amanita. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see that one showing up, and that that one's fascinating as well. Wow! <laughs> For uh, medicinal purposes and other purposes, I would right think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow! I never thought of all of those that you were listing to be yeah. like fairy ring mushrooms, like the puffballs or right. the shaggy manes and things like that. I I right. always see you know in the fairy ring. Uh, combination of like the parasols or those types right. of mushrooms so it's really cool how... islands, right? yeah yeah that's really interesting yeah. i never even thought of it or like took a step back to um really check out the circle or half circle right and then where, where you're in florida now um what you'll find 
you'll fair to me farrying happens year round in Florida, but you'll mm-hmm. see them from January to May is quote unquote the dry season in Florida. Yeah, where it doesn't seem to rain as much. That's that's when we see a lot of farrying symptoms, but you'll see them all throughout the summer and the, the fall yeah. as well. Yeah, no, they're popping up uh, even on our walks in the morning. I'm like, oh yes, there they yeah, are. Yeah, so so take some pictures and post it on Frisky Farrying. Cool. Yes, I will have to do that. That sounds really fun. I mean, how can't you? Uh, how how does that not go global? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Um, and is there specific ways that these fairy rings spread? Is it just you know underneath? The ground, is there anything special about them that, you know, they can spread a certain way? No, I think they just, uh, again, they're they're living in the soil in the mm-hmm. root zone, colonizing roots, colonizing the turf grass, uh, the thatch, mm-hmm. the thatch layer of the, of, the, of the turf grasses, again, which is, it's the organic matter component. It likes to live in that. And now these fairing fungi, again, they're just ubiquitous in the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, they can spread by spores. Uh, th- through wind or rain, but you know it, it may take years or many many years for that spore to to germinate and, and grow out radially. But right, um, th- there's no really special way they're 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 transported. Again, they, a lot of times they're, they're they're just colonizing the thatch, breaking down the organic matter, mm-hmm. and really contributing to the the to the rhizosphere, that whole micro environment in the root zone. Mm-hmm. Again, under certain environmental conditions, when when the soil gets really drought stressed, then it it wants to go into reproductive mode. Yes, it wants to it's kind of like a plant. Rapidly. Right, right. It wants to survive. It wants to produce that that fruiting body, that mushroom, so it can keep going. But um, no, it, it, it it's fascinating to me. It it so some of the old literature was to say that um, when you see fairings growing in the soil in fields in agricultural fields. That's an indication of a healthy soil. Mm-hmm. And some of the old golf course superintendents, the, the older golf course superintendents in Scotland, this goes back to the early 1900s. Some of those quote unquote old timers would say when when fairings symptoms started showing up visually on golf courses, that was a badge of honor because they were they were really drying down the golf course. Mm. Back in those days. They didn't want to irrigate. They wanted to get things nice and dry because the golf course would be very, the surface would be very firm, very hard. That's what the golfers wanted back then. Got it. So when you dried down the golf course a lot and you got those fairings, that was like a badge of honor. Mm, okay. Today it's not, that's not that way. <laughs> it's not the, it's not the same. <laughs> no, no. We don't want to see fairings. Yeah. <laughs> golf courses. Interesting. Hmm. And I is agree. there, um, Specific like animals and insects that are you know have a relationship with these mushrooms at all? Not 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 really that I'm aware of. I mean, okay. um, uh, that that's one area that c- could be of interest. Um, I know in on golf course putting greens on sand based greens, they um they have these microscopic roundworms called nematodes. Yep, and there are many nematode species. There are many plant parasitic nematodes. And there's also many, many free living ones that don't bother anybody. But some of the plant parasitic nematodes can be associated with fairing in that in that the um the fairing fungi be colonizing the soil and root zone, um, causing some hydrophobicity, some water repellency, weakening the uh, turf grass plants, and then the nematode species can sort of 
jump onto the sinking ship, so to speak. And, mm. and as the, those roots are weakened, the nematodes can really feed on them. Mm. And so there could be a little relationship there. Yeah. Uh, and these furring fungi, they don't, they don't parasitize or attack turf grass plants themselves. They're, they're colonizing the soil and the root zone mm-hmm. and they're indirectly causing damage to the turf when, when they, when they go hydrophobic, so to speak. Okay. That's a good question though. With the, we don't know much about, I'm I'm sure there could be some interesting relationship with certain insect pests, certain soil micro microorganisms, um, bacteria and other fungi that may be associated with some of these varying fungi. Mm-hmm. So a whole nother area of study for you. Yeah, I know. There's there's probably so many questions that we haven't even, you know, looked into or asked or even know about. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is more study than <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's uh never ending. <laughs> exactly. Do you want to talk about your research or your field of study uh in more detail at all? Well, I I'll just say over the years I, I work with the golf course superintendents and sports fields, athletic field folks and Folks in the lawn and land care, lawn and landscape industry, again to sort of manage and mitigate these fairy rings. I think what when folks see the mushrooms popping up in a circle, um, that's uh, kind of like a nice sort of botanical kind of a, a nature's art, so to speak. And and uh, folks don't complain about that so much when you see those dark green rings show up. Um, that that's that's not too much of a problem. The right. problem comes when those dark green rings get they they start to turn hydrophobic and the dark green rings become uh, dead rings or dead arcs, right. and uh, you get these necrotic zones. So th- that's that's over the years we've studied that and how to how to manage it through soil moisture management using soil surfactants, these kinds of products to help help the water infiltrate better into these hydrophobic zones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some golf courses will use fungicides as a last resort, uh, but mostly it's through what we call cultural practices, proper mowing, proper fertility, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Um, managing the organic matter. If there's high levels of organic matter in the root zone, golf courses and sports field folks can can mitigate that. So over the years, we, we've looked at these different various cultural practices and and we've studied the environment and how how the environment influences the appearance of these these fairy rings what we've learned over the years is when when the uh, the uh, sites are on, under uh, heat stress and drought stress what we call abiotic stress mm-hmm. we, we tend to see more of these but what what's what i want to learn more about is the the different species that we see uh you know with with uh climate changing mm-hmm. uh, are we going to see more different types of fairy ring fungi on on our lawns and landscapes uh, yeah uh, we'll see um We'll see if this uh, how this reveals itself. Um, j- just the Caprina species, there's so many different ones and different subspecies. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just fascinating. You know, just just all those just to try to better understand the biology and ecology of these of these fairing fungi. Yeah. And uh, and again, uh, uh, I, 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 real quick, I, it's 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 fun to talk about fairing because it, when I talk to golf course superintendents from all over the world. Uh, this is one common theme we all have. We all we all see mushrooms popping up, and and so it gives us something to talk about. <laughs> That's cool, and it's right? uh it's all around the world, so it's it's kind of right. fun to yeah. That's super 
unique. And do people get training on this? Like when they start, you know, their job on on site with these, they get like what you were saying, how to properly mow nutrients, uh, watering, stuff like that. Oh, right. so yes. Oh, yeah. All the the uh, the, the uh, folks that work in the lawn, lawn and lawn care, landscaping mm-hmm. industry, uh, golf courses, sports fields. They uh, they're they're trained in this um, through their undergraduate education programs mm-hmm. and and their apprenticeship programs. Right, this is fairy this ring is, training. Oh yes, oh yes. We we talk, well, I offer a a workshop on this at the, uh, the the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America work uh, annual conference. Um, I've spoken uh, spoke on this topic um, in England several times at the 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 British Turf Expo there. Um, their golf, the, the greenkeeping uh, conference in England, and 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 um, uh, uh, so yeah, so so the, uh, these folks uh, every year, like in many professions, they need to get update training and 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 uh, education on all aspects of mowing, fertility, irrigation, managing turf grass diseases, mm-hmm. of which fairing is just one, managing weeds and insect pests. So all, right. all these trainings happen every year. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and and <laughs> I, look, I look forward to that because every year I share something new that I learn. You know? Oh, so, that's cool. So it's a lot of fun. All right. Uh, yeah. What are some of those things that uh, you learned about and you educated people on? Ready to fuel your body with magical flora and funga? I know I am. Without having to change up your morning routine. I have a really good morning routine and I don't really want to switch it up, but I do want to be healthier and I do want to include more plants and fungi into my diet. So I am excited to talk about Magic Mind. My morning routine looks like this. Wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I head to the gym. And then I have my caffeine. I walk my dogs. I prep for the day, which could include interview, preparing for editing podcasts all day. It could also be me interacting with people at the farmer's markets. So I don't really want to change up my morning routine, but I'd like something that could sustain me all day without crashes and feeling energized, motivated. Magic Mind has 13 amazing magical ingredients. So let's start with the caffeine because everybody's probably wondering what's the caffeine content how can I be so energetic how can I be so productivity with these plants and fungi so matcha helps support energy it doesn't have that 200 milligrams of energy that your normal energy drink would have but it has around 55 milligrams which I think a lot of people underestimate how little caffeine you need to feel it. So Magic Mind has matcha paired with L-theanine and this combination is spectacular. So it gives you that energy boost but doesn't give you the jitters, makes you feel pretty calm, relaxed, but also very productive in a flow state, which I think a lot of people want to be in. It also has bacopa, which supports attention, cognitive processing, and working memory. And let's get to the mushrooms, hell yeah. So it's got lion's mane mushrooms in there, it's got cordyceps, which help with uh, balancing your mood and improve cognition. Cordyceps is usually for energy and respiration and just kind of balancing everything out. It also has turmeric in there. 
supports a healthy blood flow in the, to the brain and body. Phosphophthalocerine supports memory and attention span. Ashwagandha is also an ingredient in here, supports the reduction of stress, and then also pairs with Rotorola, vitamin B, vitamin C, and then vitamin D. So all of this manages fatigue, supports energy, and boosts endurance. So what Magic Mind is promising is that it has sustained energy, reduced anxiety, relaxing, and a flow state. And you don't have to change your morning routine. How could it get better than that? So if you are interested in trying this magic elixir of plants and fungi, please use the code FLORAFUNGA20 for 20% off. That is F-L-O-R-A-F-U-N-G-A-20 for 20% off at checkout. That's magic. Back to the video. Well, one thing on, on golf course, putting greens, sand-based greens, um, managing organic matter is very, very important. Mm -hmm. um, and we can, we can, they can achieve this with something called core cultivation or aeration, punching yep. holes and removing cores, just things like that. And, and also, you know, what's been a game changer the last few years is, is monitoring soil moisture on if you're, we have a, a the tool now available years ago when I was a graduate student at University of Maryland, um, monitoring soil moisture was a very complicated process with some with some um, gypsum blocks and some antiquated tools mm -hmm. attached to long wires and microbes. And it was very, um, well, it, was a, it was a challenge to calibrate. Today, the folks in the industry have these handheld devices that monitors the biometric water content. And it'll give you the percent biometric water content using device ones called the POGO, ones called the TDR, time domain reflectometry. So these, these handheld tools are available now. And many golf course superintendents and athletic field folks use these on a regular mm. basis to monitor the soil moisture and soil temperature. So just becoming better stewards of the environment and, and monitoring these environmental conditions uh, has become cool. a game changer. This, this has only happened in the last 10 years. Wow. But these, these tools are now... You know, again, going back into the 1980s and 90s, <laughs> they were available, you know, scientifically to the research community. But in by by 2010, they become so commonplace now cool. uh, with handheld devices, and they're much more affordable. Oh yeah, and there's a lot more mapping going on. A lot of these golf course superintendents they'll they'll monitor their greens and fairways, and then they'll produce these maps, oh. soil moisture maps and soil temperature maps, so they can kind of predict what's going to happen before it happens. That's really cool. Like farming. Exactly. Like precision agriculture. Yeah. And turf, right. Huh. Wow. That's really interesting. Cool. Oh, yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, then the technology is also just improving every day and every year. So. Right. Right. Mm. Wow. That's really cool. And at the end of the day though, uh, folks that work on the golf courses, they love being outside they love working with nature. They're mm -hmm. stewards of the environment and they yeah. love seeing the ferrowing fungi. They, yes, they really, they like seeing too. these mushrooms popping up. <laughs> me too. Uh, if you had unlimited resources, what would you like to study? I think you kind of mentioned it, but I want to see if yeah. it's different. Oh, you know, if I, that's a great question. If I had unlimited resources, um, uh, like, like, I, I, like my buddy, Dr. Jim Kearns at North Carolina State University. I'll throw him on the bus. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would love to have some students, graduate students, to um, further explore the the uh, environmental 
conditions where these fairing fungi thrive in sandy soils. Mm -hmm. um, also look at the genetics. I like to dive into the genetics of these fairing fungi um, to really sort of um, characterize the different species that we see. Yeah. Again, the scientific literature lists around 60 species documented. I think there's more and there could be some sort of subspecies. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I would love to have some folks look, look further, further explore that the rhizosphere, that, that micro environment in the root zone and how the rhizosphere interacts with these fairing fungi. Mm -hmm. That's a whole another area of um, un, un, untapped, uh, untapped research. Um, I'll be uh, attending a conference in June of 2024 uh, in, um, in Europe on um, on the root zone and the rhizosphere. So I'm hoping to peel the curtain back and learn a little more about that and mm. how it can um, how it may influence the development of these fairing fungi. Okay. So there's yeah, always something cool. to learn. Always. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. If I had unlimited resources, that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep learning about fairy rings. What would you say your biggest obstacle is within this field of study? Oh, I guess that's well, that's a great question. Um, I think <laughs> like anything, time and resources. Uh <laughs> in my position as a professor, I have a I teach uh, three to four courses a semester. Mm -hmm. I have other research projects going on. So it's just a matter of, of priorities. Um, I wrote, uh, I edited one textbook, finished it last year, published last year on sustainable turf grass management. I'm working on another textbook. So I'm, I'm trying to keep keep uh, prioritizing my time. Okay. Um, I would love to spend 100% of my time studying fairy rings. But, yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, I, I can't. Uh, so that that's basically what what it comes down to, mm -hmm. just prioritizing my time and resources. Right. Yeah, yeah, that right. seems like a a common theme. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, five children at home, three in college. Yeah. Okay. They yeah. All my time as well. <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. Right. <laughs> what would be your thing that you're kind of most excited for in the future uh, with this field of study? Oh, I think I think the uh, I touched on it just the in, um, the precision the precision agriculture approach mm -hmm. to to um, to turf grass science and management for golf courses, athletic fields, lawns, and landscapes. Um, just monitoring the soil, monitoring the the, the moisture, um, improving irrigation use efficiency. You know, um, water water conservation, irrigation mm -hmm. water conservation, very very important. This whole area of this uh, soil surfactants and helping water to infiltrate and better, uh, better, better uh, infiltrate through the root zone and, and, and interact with the rhizosphere. That's an area that I think is, is really going to open up uh, some, some doors for, so to speak, in the next 10 to 20 years. Mm. If I was uh, uh, for anybody new to the area as, as a graduate student, um, if, if I was a graduate student now, I'd, I'd, I'd look at their, the turf grass rhizosphere as the next area of study. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to ask what kind of uh, advice would you give somebody if they're interested in learning more about this? Right. I mean, and don't forget the basics, <laughs> plant, bi plant, plant biology, mycology, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the soil. Uh, learn as much as you can about the soil. There's a lot happening in there. 
Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right. Don't forget about the soil. Yeah. So much we don't even know. Right, right, right. And uh, anyway, so, uh, right. And um, one thing I, I would like to learn, like one thing, uh, I have a family in Italy and I, I go back and visit my cousins on occasion in the Abruzzo region. And I love those porcini mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I would love to find a way to to cultivate those. Um, if I could figure out how to grow those in a farm production agricultural setting, I I may retire from my university job yes. and, and do that. <laughs> yeah, breed them with fairy ring somehow and then like right. pop up everywhere. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> there we go. Another topic. <laughs> wow. And uh, you have so many books behind you. Do you have any yes. books that you would recommend or literature that people can turn to? Maybe some of your books if people want to learn more about fairy rings. Oh, um, yes. Um, <laughs> hang on one second. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is this is uh, sorry about the right. This is a uh, this is a book called Diseases of Turf Grasses Ooh. by by the late Dr. Houston Couch. Was a colleague of mine, and uh, it's an excellent section of about fairy ring in there. Um, and there's um, there's 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 others uh, as, as as well, but uh, that that's the one that's one of my go to. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this was written back. This Dr. Couch, he had passed away years ago. He was a professor at at, at Virginia Tech, um, but he he uh, summarized did a great job summarizing um, the uh, section on fairy ring. So anyway, there, there's a uh, if you if you Google uh, fairy ring and and my name, I've had I've written several articles over the years about okay. fairy ring, and maybe that's my next project to write a book on fairy ring. That's probably Ooh, there uh, you go. That's probably what I what I should do now after uh, mm-hmm. amassing so many years of working on this. I probably should write it all down. There you go, <laughs> and then it could be your like number one focus thing because everybody will know right your experience oh, and. <laughs> Let me show you one more thing. Yes, here. please. We love visuals. In my in my office, I have all kinds oh, of yeah. I got <laughs> little mushroom statues. I got all kinds of mushroom oh things gosh. in my office here. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love that. Yeah, right. I, I know. My my wife won't let me have any more mushroom pictures at home and, and statues <laughs> and figurines, so I I bring them all here. Wait, I got yes. one more thing. I, one more thing. <laughs> yes. I I, yes, keep is, them coming. This is my photo. This is my. Uh, from a colleague of mine gave me this uh, photo of a found this at a, at a yard sale. These um, these fairy rings with fairies flying around them. I don't know if you can see it. That's from Doctor Stan Koska. I don't know if you can see that. People always sending me stuff too. It's great. So I believe them. it. That's that's the perk. <laughs> I find really. a place in office boom. <laughs> <laughs> you never can have too many mushroom things. Obviously, exactly. I love that quote. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Yes. Right. Well, absolutely. Flora and they got to, they work together. That's our that's our planet. That's our our biosphere, right? Mm-hmm. And and congratulations to you for spreading the word on this. We have Thank to you. get more people involved and to to appreciate and learn about our, our plant and soils and the environment and ecology. I love it. I love it. Cool. Yeah. And that's my second question. How do we get more people involved uh, with flora and funga in general? I know. Um, I love to see every student take my plant biology class yes the one one course i do teach here it's um plants and society it's a it's a course for non-science majors Mm -hmm. and it's um 
basically I talk about food production systems and oh, cool. production agriculture, where food comes from besides mm-hmm. a grocery store shelf. And and just, just keep talking about it, food systems and, and tied in with the environment and mm-hmm. and and um, yeah, I I don't I think with fairing fungi to me it's it's interesting because you can tie that in with food, you know? Yeah. You can we can talk about preparing dishes with mushrooms, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that always gets folks' attention. Oh, and yeah. then tying in with food and the environment is, You gotta eat. To me right, right. <laughs> you gotta eat. You gotta eat. Oh, well, thank you, Mike, for being on the podcast today. Let people know where they can find you um, and any last words if you want before I let you go. Right. I mean, you, um, I'm uh, Dr. Mike Fidanz at Penn State. You can Google me. Uh, you'll find me there and on Twitter at, at Mike Fidanza and then a hashtag Frisky Fairing Friday. Yes. Take a look at that. You'll enjoy <laughs> Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again. Lovely chatting Appreciate with you. I well, learned thank you. so much. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, you made my day. Thank you very cool. much. See ya. Have a good day. Okay. Tired of feeling drained and lethargic? Wish you could boost your energy levels naturally and stay focused throughout the day with no crash? I've been struggling with this problem too. Thank you to Sovereignty's Purpose for the ultimate energy of the day. Imagine a world where you wake up feeling refreshed, alert, and ready to conquer any challenge that comes your way. With Sovereignty, you live your life with purpose. Whether you're tackling a project, powering through a workout, or simply need a pick-me-up during the day, Purpose is carefully crafted with a powerful combination of amazing ingredients like green coffee bean extract, cordyceps, ashwagandha, bacopa, beet juice, hemp blend, green tea extract, cherry, blueberry, broccoli, kale, and turmeric extract. All of this is only 25 calories and 115 milligrams of caffeine with no jitters and no crashes. Harness this aptogenic blend of benefits in your next smoothie, drink, cocktail, or dessert. Whether you're an entrepreneur, farmer, business professional, or student, Purpose has got your back. No more sluggish afternoons and hello productivity that lasts. Grab your blend with 10% off using the code KK10 on Sovereignty.co. That's S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O and use KK20 for 20% off at checkout.